Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Well, today uh, is Grad Sunday, and I think for the most part, uh, all of our graduates have already graduated. Um, so congrats to all of our graduates uh, that are here. We've got several that are here on the front couple of rows. We will actually honor you guys later. We have a gift for you. Um, but first, uh, really what it is, I just didn't want you to check out uh, and get your gift and then leave. Uh, there's a sermon that's coming. And and parents and adults of non-graduates, I just want you to know that this sermon is geared towards people that are taking the next step uh, in the rest of their life, but this sermon is also for you. So don't think, oh, he's not talking to me, because really this message is for everybody. Uh, when I was younger, I was a part of a leadership discipleship group as a teenager, and I actually did this leadership discipleship thing every single year growing up. And I was encouraged to find leaders in my life and ask them very pivotal questions. And I remember one day sitting down in my lead pastor's office, and one of the questions that I had come up with to ask him was, uh, if you could turn back the clock and you could do something different at my age, and I was probably 16 at the time, I said, if you could turn back the clock and be 16 again, and do something different, what would, you, what would you do different? And his response, I'll never forget it, because it was um, really what birthed in me uh, my passion for this very thing, and he said I would study the Bible more. And I think for me that really began this, this birth of this love for, for the, not just the Lord, but the written word of God, and that's really what the Bible is. When we talk about uh, this thing here, these are the written words of God, and uh, all of our students are looking at me like, really, Addison, we're here on a Sunday and we're hearing this exact same topic? Yes, uh, because the last several weeks for all of you that are out here, we've been talking about the Bible, what it is, where it's come from, uh, how we got the 66 books that form our canon, and, uh, and really how to study the Bible. And we're actually going to dig into some of that this week uh, even more, but there's more on the Bible. And the reason why is because I especially want our seniors, but I want all of our families uh, to be in love with God's word, not just as words that are on the page, but of a story that God has given to us as a love letter, uh, talking about his redemptive uh, plan for our lives, because we as sinners, uh, we don't deserve eternity with heaven. But God, who is gracious, gives us that opportunity. And this story uh, that's in this, this book here is all about that. And yes, there's a lot of rules that are in it, but if we look at the Bible as just a set of rules to follow, um, then we're missing a, a pretty big picture. Uh, we're missing a, a very big piece. In fact, um, if we look at what this Bible is, it's, it's a guide for the rest of your life. That's what it is. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is this Bible being a guide for the rest of your life. Now, we are going to look at Psalm 119, and uh, it's, if for those of you that know, it's the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses in the chapter of Psalm 119. And nearly every single one of them has some kind of reference to the written Word of God. 
It's absolutely incredible. If you haven't taken the time, I know a lot of people for, you know, their Jeopardy trivia, you memorize that fact that Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. Most people think it's so long, how in the world will I ever read it? I encourage you to read it uh, because there's actually a lot of good nuggets in it. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And so if you will bear with me, we're going to read aloud together all 176 verses. I'm just kidding. We, we would be here until noon just reading scripture. Um, but uh, there's a lot of pieces of this particular chapter that I want to show you guys today. Uh, first, it begins in verses 1 and 2, and it says, Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey His laws and search for Him with all their hearts. And when we talk about this being a guide for the rest of our lives, how many of you guys want joy in your life? Is there anybody in this room that does not want joy in your life? Yeah, no hands, no amens. So maybe we're on to something here. And it's not me. This is God's word that's saying joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. And if you want joy in your life, this book will help you have it. Uh, joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him. It's not just obey the laws that are here. You also have to seek after God. So today we're going to talk about this book here, and it's so important. If you don't have a Bible uh, and, and you'd like one, maybe uh, your phone isn't a good enough Bible for you, and I get it. I don't really enjoy reading my Bible off of my phone. Uh, I do have programs that I use on my computer to help me study God's Word, but honestly, what can replace just a, a good old-fashioned uh, physical Bible? If you need one, I've got a few extra, uh, and I will give you some after service today. Psalm 119.9 says, how can a young person stay pure? And then he responds with, by obeying God's word. And it's an interesting note that a young man can't stay pure just by doing good. It's not just about being a, a good person. That's not how you stay pure. In fact, it doesn't say uh, a young person can stay pure by listening to their parents. Does that help? Absolutely. Should parents be a guiding voice in people's lives? Absolutely. Should they be a guiding voice in their children's lives? 100%. But a young man stays pure by obeying God's word. A young person doesn't stay pure by listening to their teachers or the president of the United States, as sad as that may be. We stay pure by obeying the written word of God and staying in that. And so all of these words, they are from God. And Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a guide for my path or a light for my path. And I just, I imagine the, the psalmist here, we don't know if it's David, we don't know if it's Daniel or, or Ezra or whoever some of the other psalmists might be, but we do know that this person had a huge passion for God's word. And I could just imagine this darkness that surrounds them, the, the trouble and the turmoil that they must feel, and then to just think, man, God's word is lighting my path. I don't know what it is that I'm doing. I don't know where it is that I'm going, but God's word can show me that. And this is something that I want for all of you. I want you guys to understand that God's word isn't just words on a page. It's not just something that the pastor tells you. It's something that you can learn from and glean from and apply it to your life and have your path lit, written, uh, lit um, from, from his written word. And so today we're going to talk about reading the Bible, uh, because first, it's our guidebook for living. 
For those of you that have outlines or maybe you're on the Bible app going through uh, that, uh, the Bible is our guidebook for living. I know you guys have heard that uh, terminology before, but we don't know what to do and the Bible can help us. When we have no idea what the answer to an issue is, the Bible can help us. And here's the thing, the Bible just being here next to me isn't going to be what helps me. It's whenever I open it and I read it and I study it that it helps. So when we talk about it being a guidebook for living, it's not just have one and you're good. Have one and read it and use it and you're good. Uh, second, it says our, it's our instruction manual for life. The Bible is our instruction manual for life. Uh, I remember when I was uh, a youth pastor about 10 years ago. Yes, I'm old enough to have been in youth ministry for more than 10 years. I know it's hard to believe, but here's proof. I'm balding back here. Yeah, it happens. I got some gray in my beard, as my daughter pointed out to me uh, last week. Uh, in fact, I don't know if you guys have been on Facebook, but this past week has really been brutal as far as me feeling old and my kids helping me to realize that. Uh, last week, Liam asked me what it was like in the 1900s. <laughs> yeah, hurt my feelings a little bit. Uh, on uh, Friday, we were at the BB graduation, and uh, Rochelle was, uh, we were talking about her alma mater, which is BB, by the way. She went to BB, and I was asking her, like, does everything look the same, or is everything the same color? And she was like, yep, yeah, it's all the same color. And then Liam said, yeah, but I'll bet your pictures weren't in color. Yeah. So if any of you guys are filling out adoption papers, I will uh, <laughs> gladly serve my, my kid to you. <laughs> it's been, it's been a, an interesting week. But at, at about 10 years ago, I was doing this series in our youth ministry called Reality's Not So Late Show. And if you've ever watched like Jimmy Fallon or some late, no, late night uh, television that he does, he plays different games with audience members. He plays different games with some of his guests. And I remember there was one time that he brought some, uh, some people up to play this game. And he had two different plates filled with Oreos. All right? And he just put them in front of their plates and he said, one, two, three, go. And both of them just started as fast as they can eating the Oreos. And when the time ran out, he said, oh, sorry, you guys were supposed to stack them. <laughs> so here's the thing. Like, he never gave that instruction. And he did that on purpose. Like, I get it, that, that that was a purposeful thing. But I just remember thinking, wow, if we don't know the instructions, how do we know what to do? And when we say that the Bible is our guidebook for living and it's our instruction manual for life, how do we know how to live? How do we know what to do with our lives if we don't read this? I was, uh, well, I'll get to that story a little bit later, but the, the Bible is our instruction manual for life. And there's some different things that we can do when we're talking about studying God's word and having God's word. And these are the things that I really want to leave you guys with, now, all of you students that are leaving us and, and moving away, but all all you families uh, that have kids to raise, uh, there's some really important nuggets here. And first is that we need to read. We need to read it. We're not just going to absorb the Bible through osmosis. We can't just stick it on our head and be like, all right, what do I need to know? It's not one of these things that we can say, all right, Lord, uh, 
tell, tell me what to do. Oftentimes, the Lord brings Scripture to your memory. In fact, uh, Psalm 119.11 says, uh, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And when we talk about hiding God's word in our heart, we can't hide something if we don't know what it is. We can't hide something if we don't have it. So it would be like me trying to play hide and seek using a, a, a $1,000 bill. Like, I don't have a $1,000 bill. Is that even a thing that exists? But if I'm trying to play this game hiding something that I don't have, how can I hide it if I don't have it? And it's the same thing with God's word. If I hide it in my heart, then whenever I need it, guess what? I'll know where to find it. When I need to, to know what to do in life, because it's hidden in my heart, because I've studied it and I know it and I have it, then I'll know what to do. It's simple as that. Uh, Psalm 119 verse 15 says, I will study all your commandments and reflect on your ways. It's not just a study, it's also reflect. I can read, 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 but if I can't figure out how to apply it to my life, then all I've done is rote memorization. I think there's uh, an aspect where if I have God's word, yes, I must read it, but I must study it. And I must dwell on it, and I must reflect on it, and I must find ways that I can bring application of this into my life so that it's something that, not just, that I've just memorized, but it's something that I do. And when we talk about reading God's Word, it is both reading and studying and finding how to apply for it. Second, pray. Pray over Scripture. When you read it, pray that God will show you what it is that you can do with this verse. Um, Psalm 119 verse 27 says, Help me understand the meaning of your commandments, and I will meditate on your wonderful deeds. He's literally asking the Lord for help. Who better to ask for help than the author? He wrote this book, and I know that it's hard to believe that you know, humans can write a book that's divinely uh, appointed and authoritated by God, but that's the reality. This is what we believe, that this is divinely inspired by our Creator. And if we believe that it's divinely inspired for our uh, from our Creator, and it's written for us, to us, then why wouldn't we read about it and then pray and ask Him for discernment on how to understand this thing? Psalm 119, 169, verse 170 uh, through 170, it says, O Lord, listen to my cry. Give me the discerning mind you promised. Listen to my prayer. Rescue me as you promised. What if God's word was helped by my connection with him? What if God's word in my life and its application was aided by my relationship with him and me talking to him and saying, all right, Lord, help me understand. Help me figure out what this means for me. And I understand that a lot of scripture can, can have different applications for different seasons of our life, but the Lord can still show us through his active living word and through our active living relationship with him. It is an ongoing relationship and it is an ongoing never-ending word. And I'm not just saying that because it's a long book. It really is uh, an amazing uh, book, an amazing word. Um, I was uh, reading, I mean, I, was, uh, I had this table for Rochelle that I was building. It was like a desk, right, inside your office. 
And I remember uh, we had the instruction book. We were actually a little bit pressed for time, and uh, all of the instructions were there. They were all written out, and it even had pictures. And for me, I really need the pictures. The pictures are very helpful for me. And uh, so we're going through putting together this table, and I remember looking at the picture, and then I'm looking at what it is we're building, and I'm like, this thing is backwards. And I, I remember putting it all together, and I'm like, I don't, I don't even know what to do. And the issue is we, the, the, the table was actually like from some Asian company. And you know that if I were to call them and ask them for help, there's no way that they would be helpful. But I just remember we were putting this thing together, and we had gotten all the way to the end of it, and I realized that these two pieces didn't line up because the table was built in reverse. So guess what we did? We took the whole thing apart, and we had to build it again, this time paying a little bit better, more careful attention to the details of the pictures and what it is that they were asking us to do. And when we talk about praying and asking the Lord for help, man, uh, the, the Lord isn't some foreign language kind of God. He knows how to speak directly to us. It's not that he's written this book in a different language or he's written it backwards. He's written it plain for us to see it and to understand it. All we have to do is go to the writer, to the author of this book, and we'll be able to understand its meaning. That's all we've got to do. So we need to pray about the words that we are reading. And then the last thing is worship. And, and whenever I talk about this worship idea, it's not four songs that we sing on Sunday. It's a lifestyle that we live. Psalm 119 verses 45 through 46 says, I will walk in freedom, for I have devoted myself to your commandments. I will speak to kings about your laws, and I will not be ashamed. Psalm 119 verse 175 says, let me live so that I can praise you, and may your regulations help me to do that. When we talk about living a lifestyle of worship, this isn't songs that we sing on the Sunday morning. It's the way that we live our lives Sunday through Sunday. It's in all of the off hours that we aren't that church. That's still worship. Romans 12.1 uh, says, uh, I, ooh, hang on, there it is. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This living sacrifice is us and the way that we walk that life because we are alive, all right? It says it's holy and pleasing, and it's a spiritual act of worship, all right? The way that we live our lives is a spiritual act of worship, and how do we know how to live our lives? Guess what? It's here. This shows us how to live our lives, and this shows us how to live a lifestyle of worship. I love Louis Giglio's definition of worship he wrote this book called The Air I Breathe, and uh, probably once every couple of years, every three or four years or so, I read through it again as just kind of a reminder. And his definition says, worship is our response, both personal and corporate, to what we value most, and is expressed in and by the things that we say and the things that we do. Now let's break this down for you just a little bit. Worship is our response. Worship isn't a mandate. Worship is our response to what moves us. It's our response to what we value the most. If we value money the most, then we are going to do everything that we can to collect money and to spend it. All right? If we worship people, we are going to do everything that we can to garner their attention and to garner their approval. But because we love the Lord, 
our response to him is by offering our bodies as a living, walking sacrifice that pleases him and him alone because this is how we worship. And when Louis Giglio says it's our response to what we value most and is expressed by the things that we say and the things that we do, this is how we live our lives. And I remember being at a, uh, a St. Louis Cardinals baseball game, and I don't know if you know this about me, I'm a huge Cardinals fan. And I remember being there, and we were playing against the Pirates. It was in September. It was a, a series that was pretty meaningful, and Yadier Molina was up to the plate. Uh, the, the stadium was electric. He could just uh, feel all the excitement and the atmosphere. And I just remember thinking, uh, Yadier's about to do something crazy right here. Well, in that at bat, uh, the pitcher threw a ball and literally hit, uh, like went just above Yadier's head. Yadier hit the deck. Then the very next pitch, he smacked a home run. He had a grand slam. And I just remember looking around and seeing people's response to that. Now, I get that in that particular moment that that was one way that we respond and worship to things that we value. And that is what happens on Sunday mornings when we have the worship team up here and we're playing songs and, and yeah, we raise our hands and we get really excited and we shout and maybe even some of us dance or, you know, sway. Yeah. That, that's a response. That is a worship response to something that we value. But the things that we value most, you know how we can tell if we, if we really love it? If we spend time with it. If we spend time learning about it. If we spend time trying to behave and act like it, replicating it. I just think of all the times that I've had conversations with people about sports. And as a kid, acting like I was a famous athlete in the front or the backyard. My son does that all the time, by the way. He is a mini-me. And, uh, and he will literally throw the ball to himself because his sister's not going to play with him. But in that moment... That is a response of worship because it's something that he values. Well, my response for worship to what I value, if I have God be the thing that I value the most, then the way that I live my life, the things that I read, the things that I absorb into my life, the things that I output from my life should all be reflective of the thing that it is that I love that I'm worshiping. So worship is my response both personal and corporate, to what we value most and is expressed in and by the things that we say and the things that we do. Fox and CNN, they tell you how to vote. But our, our Bible tells us how to live and how to worship. And maybe it's time for us to stop studying culture, stop studying sports so much, and maybe spend a little bit more time studying this. I want to show this video. Uh, Rochelle and I alluded, it, alluded to it a little bit on Wednesday, but I want you guys to see, this is a, a pastor, his name's Keenan Clark, and uh, he's got a podcast, and honestly, this is kind of the best explanation for studying the Word of God and why it's so important for us to do that. How about this? How about the people who are like, okay, I know the Bible, I know the mm -hmm. Jesus story, I know the gospel, so I'm going to go and study a few other religions so that I can understand those people better in order to reach them, right? And I think, honestly, I'll just answer my own question real quickly. I think you are getting into some dangerous territory mm -hmm. when you begin to go, hey, I'm going to go study these other religions. I'm going to go study these other things. The Bible says this, 
faith comes by hearing. Mm. That that's one of the ways. Mm-hmm. And then it gives an addendum to that and like a, an ex- explanation of that and hearing by the word of God. True faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But you can have a perverted faith by hearing and hearing by a lie, Mm. hearing by the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we do is we pollute our belief system by trying to study the lies so that we can better communicate to the people who believe them that they're lies. But before you know it, the lie has sucked you in. Mm -hmm. Or it's just planted a seed of doubt Mm -hmm. in your heart to where it's like, oh crap, like maybe Allah is God. Yeah. Maybe, what if, what maybe I need to be, yeah, what if I've been wrong thing? about this Jesus thing? And, you know, one of the illustrations I like to give of this is, you know, when people, people who work for the treasury of the United States, yeah. mm-hmm. when they are studying counterfeit money, they never literally study all different types of counterfeit money. Mm-hmm. That's what you would think. Hey, if you're going to become a counterfeit expert, you're going to study the different types of counterfeits. Mm-hmm. Ooh, right. Hey, there's this yeah. new counterfeit on the market. Let's get familiar with it. Mm-hmm. But they don't do that. They study the real currency so much that when a fake bill comes across their hand, they know something's wrong here. I don't know what's wrong, but I know something's wrong. It doesn't look right. It doesn't bend right. It doesn't reflect right, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't weigh the right amount. I don't know what is wrong because I've not studied why it's Mm -hmm. wrong. I've just studied the real thing so much. I know Mm -hmm. that is wrong. And I think that's the, that's the thought flow Christians need to adopt. We need to get so familiar with the truth and with the word of God that the second a lie comes across our plate, it's like, I don't know why that's a lie. I don't know why that's falsehood, but I know it is Mm -hmm. because I know the real thing so well. When we sing worship songs, and we sing songs that, uh, like that song, Make Room, and it says, let's break down the walls of my traditions, let's shake up the ground of my religion, because God's way is better. Um, They're not just lyrics. When we talk about breaking down walls of religion, and breaking down traditions, and going back to this, God's way. And God's way isn't found in the media. God's way isn't found by your friends. God's way isn't found in a textbook. God's way is found in his book. So how does my way measure up against the Bible? It's a question that we need to ask ourselves. When I'm making a big decision in my life, how does my way measure up against what God's way says? And I'm not going to know what God's way says if I don't read it. In fact, it's more likely that I will naturally respond with God's way if I know his way. If I've hidden his word in my heart, then I'll know what to do. Because it's my guidebook for living. It's my instruction manual for life. How do cultures, trends, and current fads stack up against this? How does what CNN or Fox News stack up against this? How does what they say stack up against this? If we want to break down walls of religion and break down traditions and we want to break down culture and we want God's word to prevail, then it needs to be active and living and moving through us. And it can't be active and living and working through us if we don't know it. And so the question again is, How does your way stack up against God's word? 
If I want joy instead of suffering, I know how to find it. If I want peace instead of worry, I know how to find it. If I want to discern wisdom from deceit, I know how to find it. If I want to know truth and the truth that will set me free, I know how to find it. But again, it's not this thing that just happens by resting it on our head. You know, just hold your, your neck the right way and think, all right, let's see, let's see how this is going. We've got to read it, and we've got to study it, and we've got to pray and ask God how it is that we can apply this to our lives, and then we need to live it. And that's the, the hardest part, I think, is saying, all right, I know it. I know God's word. Now let me actually apply it to my life. What is it that I'm doing wrong that isn't measuring up? What is it that I could be do, doing differently that will help me be a light in your dark world? That will help me be the light in the dark world? And that's where this helps us. And so, students, graduates, um, and, and all of you that are inside of this room, I charge you, don't just have a Bible and let it sit and collect dust. Use it. Study it, learn from it, apply it, and live it. Lord, today we thank you for your words that, that are here for us. They are active, they are living, they are moving, and you wrote them for us so that we can know how to find our way back to you. And Lord, we give you, um, we give you the, the reverence that you deserve because you are our creator but Lord, help us to give you the attention that you deserve because you want to be in relationship with us. You're not some distant God. You are here, you are with us, you love us, and you can show us how to live. So help us, Lord, to be better studiers of your word and to learn how to live them in a way that, that pleases you. And we'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the Assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you are ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day, and God bless.